You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. This another edition of Grab Them by the Pod. I am your host Kevin, along with my co-host Jesse, and we've got some business to conduct with you about politics, Donald Trump. So let's have at it, Jess. What do you got? You got some business to discuss. Well, when we originally envisioned this podcast, we we're going to talk about the government shutting down, the government reopening. That was what we are going to start with. Uh, but then something happened last Thursday evening. Uh, a report came out from the New York Times that said that President Trump attempted to fire special counsel Robert Mueller last summer, but was stopped after White House counsel Don McGahn threatened to resign. And Kevin, you'll never believe his reasoning to uh, want to get rid of Mueller. I mean, there are the obvious reasons we all know, but his reasonings were that Mueller had a conflict of interest uh, because of some problem at Trump's National Golf Club in Virginia. They complained about the membership dues there, and he's complaining that uh, he used to work for a law firm that represents Jared Kushner. I mean, golf fees, really? I, I just don't see that as being a reason to get rid of him, but then again, I'm not Donald Trump. Well, you know, I think a bigger concern here is that Donald Trump was quoted in August as having said, I haven't given any thought to firing Robert Mueller. Uh, and now it's coming out that in June last year, he had tried to fire him. So that's the interview uh, was two months after he had actually tried to fire Robert Mueller. So, again, it's a, another example of, of him not being honest or, or truthful and this would be a very big deal. I kind of think it goes back to that George Costanza line that it's not a lie if you believe it. And I swear maybe Donald Trump actually believes uh, the things he's saying. But thank God that McGahn had something of a spine to refuse to refuse Trump's order. Maybe it was just self-preservation. He knew how bad it would look because uh, he's right. Trump's order would just add to the speculation that Trump was obstructing justice in the Russ investigation. I'm not sure if, if this all constitutes obstruction of justice. I'm not a lawyer. But I know enough that it looks bad, and it just adds fuel to the ongoing fire that we're facing in Washington, D.C. It certainly does. And, you know, this all happened shortly after Mueller's investigation grew to include the potential obstruction of justice of, of the firing of James Comey, in addition to the possible Russia collusion. So, you know, the timing's kind of fishy, and, you know, it would have been a major, uh, major break in all of this had he actually fired Robert Mueller. So... We can only imagine what might come of this now, so we'll be on the edge of our seat waiting to see. Well, apparently you tried to get rid of uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, too, and that never happened. These are people who are within the Trump administration. These are people who are Republicans, people who were appointed by the White House. It just kind of blows my mind sometimes that everybody's out to get them. The Democrats are out to get them. The Republicans that don't agree with them are out to get them. It all just reminds me of Nixon's downfall when he tried to get people to fire uh, people that shouldn't be fired, and it just led to his eventual resignation. Right. He tried to fire or did fire the special prosecutor, Archibald Cox, that was uh, investigating the Watergate scandal, of course, the Saturday Night Massacre. And then that was the beginning of the end for President Nixon. So could this be the beginning of the end of President Trump? We will have to see. You have some people saying, well, he didn't actually do it. He just wanted to, but nothing actually happened. The idea that he just 
didn't get around to doing it. No, he tried to do it and had to face uh, the resignation of people in his administration. That's why it didn't happen, not because he just you know used his better judgment. Um, and it sounds like Trump thinks the investigation is almost over. We hear that in all his tweets, nothing has been found. There's no conclusion. It's almost done. And it sounds like people like Ty Cobb, uh, not the old baseball player, but someone with the same name who's his lawyer, and other people at the White House are basically just telling him that, calm down, don't freak out. It's almost over. You're going to be fine, just so that he doesn't lose his mind like normal. Yeah, you know, this is kind of like a child who's fussing because they're forced to do something they don't want to do. It reminds me of taking my kids to the doctor when they need to get a shot. You know, we try to coax them along. Oh, it's almost over. It's almost over. You know, at the end of that appointment, they're getting a shot and the kids are going to raise holy hell. (laughs) But you try to tell them a little bit of a story to make them feel better. And I feel like that's exactly what the insiders in the Trump White House have done with the president. The unfortunate thing is that your kids are like eight and he is like 70-something. So unfortunately, the president has the same temperament as children. I think we already knew that. (laughs) This we already knew. Yeah. Uh, This is just bad timing for Donald Trump. Uh, As we mentioned before, Mueller's interviewed Bannon. He's interviewed Steve Sessions. Uh, He's interviewed a few other people uh, within the administration. Even earlier uh, in the week, Trump said that he'd be willing to talk to Mueller, and then Ty Cobb had to kind of walk that back and say, "You're not in front of a grand jury." Uh, he was he was speaking was it, he was speaking like well rushed or in a rushed fashion or something like that. Uh, again, the man is in his 70s; he knows what he's saying. Are we? Well, maybe not. <laughs> that's that's up for debate. But uh, I I think that you shouldn't constantly have to walk back what he says. Uh, what he says speaks for itself. Well, he's a very stable genius, so of course he knows. Exactly what he's saying. He's very smart, uh, smarter than you or I, or at least he claims. Uh, remember last year when kind of this all started going down, a fellow Republican, Lindsey Graham, said that if uh, Trump fired Mueller, it might be the end of the Trump presidency, and while again it didn't happen, he sure wanted it to happen. So I wonder if we'll see other, I guess, more moderate Republicans uh, get up because again, this, this just reflects badly on them as a party, and they're already facing trouble in 2018. You don't want to have this for lack of a better term, noose around their neck going into these midterm elections. You want to be in the best possible uh, possible position. And if Trump is laying this all on his own party, well, they're going to be in big trouble. Well, though, of course, according to the president, this is all fake news, fake news, typical New York Times, New York Times story, fake news. It's fake news. So it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. Maybe the first time. OK, maybe it's fake news. Um, after the hundredth time, uh, I think he's just deflecting. That's just me. Uh, eventually, Mueller's going to release his findings, and they'll speak for themselves, for itself, and uh, we'll go from there. And I wonder if something is coming soon. It, it seems to be ramping up. Uh, I can't tell if it's just you know, normal business, and we got another year to go in this, or whether it's uh, you know going to come to a head at some point, and he's going to interview Trump. I guess it just remains to be seen. Yeah, but you know what, Jess? I wish we could buy tickets to that event. You know, I I, I would love for them. You know, let's make this uh, a fundraiser for the United States. <laughs> This is better than paying your taxes. This is going to raise funds if we could just fill an arena as Robert Mueller releases his findings. I think Uh, it could. I think it could happen. I don't know. I've been to some sporting events where things don't go well for the home team and things can get a little ugly at points. So depending on who's there, it might might be kind of scary. I might want to run away. You know, as I put the information for this podcast together, I sometimes wonder, you know, why am I still single? Uh, you know, who doesn't want to be with a guy like me who a week ago at 12 o'clock on Friday night was sitting there in bed watching C-SPAN? Isn't that what all the cool people do? 
You bet it is. <laughs> so uh, a little over a week ago on Friday night, or I guess it was Saturday morning, depending if you want to get technical, uh, the federal government officially shut down, and I was watching it all because I'm just that kind of nerdy wonk. Uh, and it seemed about right because it happened on the one-year anniversary of Trump's inauguration. I can think of nothing more fitting than the government shutting down one year into the president's uh, term. Yeah, it's certainly the timing uh, was right there. You know, the last time the government shut down in October of 2013, it lasted for 16 days. And so this one lasted only 69 hours, so relatively short. No harm, no foul, right? Yeah, no harm, no foul. So the, the, the Senate attempted to move forward with a short-term spending bill. It failed, of course. Uh, the House had passed it the day before. Uh, the Senate needed 60 votes, but it didn't come even close to getting those 60 votes. Uh, four Republicans, like Lindsey Graham, voted against it, while Democrats, who were up for re-election but were actually in red states, like Claire McCann, actually voted for it. So you saw some crossover on both sides. And at least in those Democrats, uh, in case you saw it coming, you understood why they were doing it. Um, but still, you know, it's not something you necessarily want to see. Uh, this was all over the big fight on, on DACA. We've talked about this in the past. Uh, it's something that Democrats wanted to include in the process, and the Republicans didn't want to touch it, uh, at least not yet. So the CR, or, or continuing resolution, uh, basically it would fund the government for another 30 days while both sides I continue to work on a short-term deal. Alas, it did not happen. You know, enough with these short-term deals. It just kicks the can down the road, and somebody at some point in time has to pay for that, whether it be our generation or my children's generation. Let's finalize something. Let's get a deal done that's actually good for America. Everybody says that, but they never actually do it. And yeah, talk is cheap. Uh, if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. Member. And that goes for people on both sides of the aisle. Um, you got people like Jeff Flake, who, again, who were Republicans, uh, who basically said that uh, if Trump is in one place one day and another place the next. You just don't know where he's coming from. And after the vote, Mitch McConnell blamed Democrats for shoehorning the, of illegal immigration into this bill. And it amazes me that they're so upset that they're putting an issue into the CR that has nothing to do with keeping the government open when they had already put chip reauthorization in there. So, uh, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, so to speak. Yeah, CHIP is the Children's Health Insurance Program, and, you know, who can argue over that, right? Well, that's why the Republicans put it in there. They said, oh, you know, you're voting against CHIP? Oh, you don't like children. It's bad against you, when really that's not the case at all. That's classic uh, political maneuvering. Uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said afterwards that he went so far as to offer full funding of the border wall to Trump. That wasn't enough for him. I mean, reports say that Stephen Miller is the one behind uh, being against this proposal. But, you know, they, they like having the build the wall as a talking point. Uh, that's one of the reports. That the reason that they're being so tough on getting it done is because once it's paid for, you can't use it at, at rallies anymore. Yeah, you know, Stephen Miller has been railing against immigrants since his days as a student at Duke University. So that's nothing new for him, par for the course. Not surprising, which is also why uh, some of the Democratic leaders like Schumer and Pelosi have requested Miller not be in the room when they meet with Donald Trump. They feel he's too much of an influence uh, over that situation with the president. And not a good influence at that. Uh, right after the vote failed, uh, Sarah Kirby Sanders put out a memo, and they're trying to get the phrase Schumer shutdown going, which it just wasn't working. If you look at Twitter at the time, uh, hashtag Trump shutdown was really just trending across the country, maybe even worldwide. I also couldn't believe within this memo, uh, she was channeling her boss, the president, Donald Trump himself, when she called the Democrats obstructionist losers. I can't believe that an official document from the White House, from the press secretary, it's going to be there forever and ever and ever, uh, calls the other side losers. This isn't reality TV. It's just kind of sad. But then again, why are we surprised? Because this is a White House that uses Twitter as its official form of communication. 
only when it when it behooves them. Other times, it's just Twitter. It doesn't count. Why are you reading so much into it? You know, they they may they change their mind of that on a daily basis. I thought it was pretty funny though that at 12:01 after this failed to pass, uh, Capitol Hill Staple, uh, the Capitol Lounge, which I went to many a time when I worked at there. Actually, I think it burned down at one point, but it's back. Uh, it was advertising drink specials for people who want to go out drinking at uh, 12:01 on Capitol Hill, which oftentimes, well, it, it used to be hopping at some places, but it's dead it often uh, at certain times too but anyways uh, they had drink specials there like to flake or not to flake or have you met a Haitian just drinks with funny names and I definitely think I'd want to be going to those bars if I was still in town well if I was still in my 20s and still in town nowadays it's just too much I can't handle it yeah, I had to think, you know, how many drinks have you had there, Jess? Well, I used to favor the Hawk and Dove, which I think is also gone. A lot of those the old school bars on Capitol Hill are gone, which really just breaks my heart and makes me sad. So so much history, so much uh, – I mean, we used to have a professor who said he was in the Hawk and Dove on Capitol Hill when that drunk Ted Kennedy went in there and, shots on me, drinks for everybody. Uh, I guess the, the age of technology has kind of stopped that, but still, just the idea of being in there and seeing those guys walk in. Oh, well, but I, but I digress. <laughs> uh, the Senate continued to meet over the weekend. This is last weekend. Sorry, we're, we're a little behind again this episode out. Um, Trump said he was working, uh, but took no meetings with any members of Congress. He seemed just to have a photo op sitting in the office wearing a white MAGA hat and pretending to be on the phone, but obviously smiling at the camera, not talking to anybody. Uh, and when you're the president of the United States and you're working on something this important, maybe you should have some stuff on your desk that you're working on, not a bare desk with a, with a silly grin on your face. At least give the impression that you're trying to do your job. Yeah, if you can, if you can fake it, fake it well. You know, don't don't make it look stupid. Um, but as you mentioned, this only lasted about 69 hours. On Monday afternoon, the Senate reached a deal to reopen the federal government. Uh, but this was just a three-week CR, so we could be looking at this all again. I think it's up on February 8th. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if this is if this is a problem that you know pops its ugly head up one more time. And most likely it will, or at least the, you know, all of the hullabaloo over it will probably come up again and it'll probably come down to a, you know, a last minute deal that gets made. I don't see them necessarily shutting it down again for a second time in three weeks, but you really wants to do that. No, but they'll go through the process. They'll they'll go through all the made for TV dramatics and, uh, you know, we'll end up probably getting a a bad deal (laughs) to quote the president um, that kicks the can down the road yet again. I think it's a, it's a term I learned in political science 100, satisficing, where everybody's unhappy, but they can all live with it, and that's usually what these deals end up being. Uh, Mitch McConnell basically got the first CR passed by promising a vote on DACA in the coming weeks. Uh, you know, In turn, Democrats would have enough votes to, to pass it, and it happened. But can you trust Trump? Can you trust McConnell? They have a vote, but what kind of vote is that going to be? You just don't know. I mean, we, we've talked about this in the past, that McConnell's kind of a goober, but he's also like a devious goober, and he kind of knows what he's doing when he says that's why he's a Senate Majority Leader, uh, unlike some of the other flunkies in Congress who just have no idea what's happening. So it's going to be interesting to see again in the next coming couple of weeks what exactly happens, and do we have to do this all over again? I hope not. Yeah, I hope not too. But uh, you know, Chuck Schumer's been taking some heat from within the Democratic Party for offering up too much to try to solve this problem. He offered, you know, a, a really sweetheart deal, if you ask me. He he offered full funding, uh, just about for the wall, and it has since been taken off the table, uh, according to Politico and other sources. But you know. He must have really been in a place, frustrated and tired and, and done with dealing with the president to offer that one up there. And I can understand why people in his party are a little annoyed. The Democrats, for as much as they're going to be uh, 
probably walking away with the House, knock on wood, we don't, we don't want to say anything is definite, especially after the 2016 elections. Uh, the Senate's going to be very interesting to watch. Uh, they have the potential to be able to take it, but uh, a third of the senators are up every two years. And this year, it disproportionately is a, a, a bunch of Democratic senators, and a lot of these are in states that are more red now than they were six years ago, states that Donald Trump may have won. So these are the people that are afraid that uh, if, if things look badly upon them uh, or if they go uh, for too liberal of policies, uh, their people may not reelect them. So uh, there's a lot of these folks like Claire McCaskill uh, that have a lot of uh, interesting votes, I think, ahead of them for the remainder of the year. Yeah, they'll have to be careful. And that's, again, how politics works, especially for those senators who are, are working across the aisle in the state uh, where they live. You know, we want all these people to work together. We always say that. You know, the, we're not being partisan for partisan's sake. We would love people to just come together and work in a bipartisan manner. But it doesn't help when Trump for America, who, by the way, the Trump administration goes, oh, that's that's not within the White House. That's something totally different. Yeah, okay. Uh, started running ads and emails, and the Democrats who stand in the way of getting this stuff passed uh, will be complicit with all the murders com- uh, committed by illegal immigrants. Uh, that's not helping anybody when you're basically accusing people of opposing viewpoints of being responsible for the death of Americans. That's just making the divide even larger. Well, that was chosen as the word of the year, wasn't it? Complicit. Complicit. Oh, there are some people in Washington, D.C. are complicit, and I hope uh, Bob Mother uh, shed some light on that pretty soon. So, uh, you know, there were winners and losers in this whole thing. So let's go over some of the winners. Uh, we mentioned him a little earlier, Mitch McConnell, for all his faults. That's what he's doing, and he got the best of Chuck here. Uh, and I've had my issues with Chuck Schumer in the past, but uh, generally speaking, in this current environment, I like him, but yeah, he did not win. Um, the DACA deal will be another tough fight uh, because they have to get the Republicans and Democrats to agree on it. And then Trump, even if he gets something sent to his desk, has to still sign it. And God knows what he'll sign these days. Uh, as you mentioned before, he withdrew the the offer on the wall, so this might just be another long slogging fight. Um, but it's it's more FaceTime for McConnell, and it's more uh, times we get to see that kind of slimy smile of his. And a slimy smile it is. I think that people will often refer to him as as something of a turtle. Which, you know, I don't want to call people names. We try to be, uh, you know, down the middle here, though I will admit it's gotten harder in, in many of the recent months. Uh, the people who are really winners, I think, in a lot of this are, are the Senate centrists. Uh, people like Joe Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia, Claire McCaskill, uh, Susan Collins, Republican from uh, Maine, Lindsey Graham, who we talked about before. I mean, these are the people who got together and got the ball rolling. These are people who for the most part, are trying to act like adults. I love that Susan Collins' office was apparently where they would all meet, and she had a sticker, a ball, that she'd give the people, and uh, only the person holding the stick could talk, much like the Konkin Lord of the Flies. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of some of the teaching strategies I've used over the years in my classroom to get uh, good behavior and cooperation. But, you know, Lord of the Flies now, let's be careful. Piggy dies in the end. Uh, It breaks my heart to this day. Poor Piggy. Poor Piggy. And if you haven't read the book, go read it. I think I read it in, like, ninth grade or something. It's very good. So, uh, and it was also a big time for the people who are going to be running for president in 2020, or at least maybe signaling that that's something that's going to be coming in their way. I look at the people who voted uh, against the the government reopening. People like Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, our boy Chris Murphy. I mean, these are people who may be trying to shore up the support of the liberal base and say, you know, we're the true people running this party. Uh, you want us in 2020. It's be interesting to see where that ends up going. And that's all well and good. But, you know, like Jesse and I have argued, we, we need some more of that centrism. We need people to work towards the middle. Um, so whether or not these guys that are pushing towards the, the left wing or, or those on the right, 
to to make a stand and say this is how we voted. I don't know if that's what's best. I kind of like the idea of the senators working towards the middle, uh, as several of them did. But you know, at the same time, you know, I'm also a fan of some of those folks that Jesse mentioned. So you know, we'll see what happens here. I've always said the the winning strategy for winning, at least in my you know, probably my my happy world, not in reality, would be I don't want to be the Republican president, I want to be the Democratic president, I want to be the American president, and I'm doing what's best for you, not for a political party. Uh, me saying that though, uh, apparently our old friend John Kerry is deciding maybe he wants to run again, and nothing against John Kerry, but I think his time has passed. I think we have to focus on maybe some younger folks to take on. Uh, I mean. Anything that that Trump wants to say against uh, Kerry, it's already been said by the Bush people. It's right there. Reminds me of a line from Tupac, you know, Bill Clinton, Mr. Bob Dole, you're too old to understand the way the game's told. I'll take your word for that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm more of a fan of Tupac when he was hanging around with Digital Underground, but that's just my opinion. Uh, so who are the losers? We mentioned Chuck Schumer has come out of this kind of a loser, but put him aside. It's the dreamers who really lost. These people who are still in limbo, they don't know what their status is going to be. They're hoping that Congress does the right thing. Uh, and they're the ones to really feel bad for. I, these people are as American as apple pie. And I think it's important, we've said this before, that DACA, the dreamers, and illegal immigration are really two different things, two different issues. One's doing the right thing and making these people American citizens. The other's figuring out what to do with illegal immigration, just regular immigration coming going forward. And I really think uh, people have to figure that out as they go through this whole political bill process. Yeah, again, I, I've said several times on the show that I've taught dreamers, and they've been some of the more dedicated, hardworking, and civically-minded people that I've ever taught or worked with. And they fully embody the meaning of the American dream. So for them to lose out so much, it's, it's really disheartening because so many of them are here for all of the right reasons that only stand to make this country a better place. So something needs to be done here to solve this for them so that they have you know, a legal leg to stand on and, and they can feel comfortable as they go on and you know, add value to our country. As John Lennon said, you may think I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I don't know if that really fits in, but I really wanted to say that because it just came to my my head as we were talking about this. Um, well, the president would disagree with me. I would say that Trump was a loser in all this. Uh, sure, he didn't give really anything uh, to get out of this shutdown, but again, Trump shutdown was what people were retweeting. It was going around everywhere. I mean, look at his tweets back from 2013 uh, during the previous shutdown. He was saying, oh, you know, it's interesting. More people are blaming the president than Congress for the shutdown. It's easy for him to say that about President Obama. It's harder to say when he's a president and it may reflect poorly upon him. He, he also went on a Twitter rampage after all this was said and done. Uh, he tweeted out that you know, even crazy Jim Acosta, fake news CNN agrees. Trump world and White House sources dancing in the end zone. Trump wins again. Schumer and Dems caved, gambled and lost. Thank you for your honesty, Jim. The only problem was he wasn't talking about what Jim Acosta was saying. Jim Acosta was quoting Trump supporters when he tweeted that. So Trump can't even figure out exactly what people are talking about when they're tweeting themselves. It's it's just a complete mess, and uh, it's par for the course as things go. As everything goes in a Trump White House, you are absolutely right. 
And there may be another shakeup in the Trump White House. And I'm not talking about Amorosa leaving a couple weeks ago. She landed on her feet. She's going to be on Celebrity Big Brother, just announced today. Uh, No, we're talking about John Kelly, chief of staff. Is he going to be fired? Is he going to fall in the footsteps of his predecessor, Rance Priebus? Uh, Last weekend, a story broke that Trump may be looking to replace him because uh, he's just not happy with how things are going. According to Gabriel Sherman of Vanity Fair, two prominent Republicans in frequent contact with the White House said that Trump is already discussing Kelly's successor. uh, And I think the, the person who is leading the pack, who is a frontrunner, is Washington lobbyist and political operative David Urban. According to CNN reports, sources close to the president say that he feels Kelly doesn't respect him and only <laughs> pays him lip service. Well, I think that's how everybody kind of in Washington, D.C. treats him, uh, unlike people like Stephen Miller. Uh, the problem all stemmed from a point where Kelly was talking a couple weeks ago and said Trump had evolved on his position to build the Southern Wall and that he was uninformed when he made some campaign promises uh, back a couple years ago. You, you don't say that Trump was wrong or misspoke. Trump is always right because, as you said earlier, he's a stable genius. He tweeted out eventually that the wall is the wall. It has never changed or evolved from the first day I conceived of it. Naughty, 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 John Kelly. Well, CNN also reports that that some sources caution that talk of discord is planted by Trump loyalists that have had dwindling access to the president under Kelly's strict orders. I mean, from what I understand, John Kelly has policies such as no outside of the administration access to the White House grounds. All presidential incoming phone calls are screened. So some of these business types that had uh, some influence with the president now have lost that, and they're a little disappointed, a little unhappy. So perhaps they planted this seed in the media to get Kelly out of there so that they can have their access back to the president. I can see it being a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. I mean, there's, there's a report out that he told a friend, you know, I got another nut job here who thinks he's running things. And that's something I could definitely hear Trump saying. Um, but again, you know, people, there have been, I'll give Kelly credit, there has been fewer leaks coming out of the White House since he took over. So maybe that's part of it. Uh, it's really interesting. Going, and the interesting thing to me is that Ivanka is one of the names thrown out there as having a central role in searching and finding new candidates. Uh, she's kind of just jack of all trades in the White House. Whatever they needed her to do, she does because, uh, you know, she's somebody that Trump respects and, you know, ogles at inappropriately at times. Correct. Yes. You know, kind of like when he first met Stormy Daniels and told her that he, she was beautiful and smart, just like his daughter. And I'm glad you brought that up, that after the State of the Union on Tuesday, uh, Jimmy Kimmel is going to be having an interview with her. And uh, I know so Joe Kennedy is going to be doing the Democratic response. Maxine Waters will be doing a response on BET. But I think it's going to be that that Jimmy Kimmel interview that I really want to watch and just see you know, how far they dig and, and how far they kind of poke at the president. And he, he'll give this giant speech, his biggest speech of the year. Uh, he'll probably then be tweeting about Jimmy Kimmel later that night. Sad but true. Sad but true. And as we, it's important to note as we talk about this John Kelly stuff, uh, Trump did tweet out thank you to John Kelly. He's doing a fantastic job and all the staff and others in the White House for a job well done. Long hours and fake news makes your job more difficult, but it is always great to win and few have won more than us. We don't know really what he won. Yeah, emphasis on win. Win! Sure, he got the tax bill passed and then he signed a bunch of executive orders, which I guess in his mind is a win. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, what he thinks he won, I'm not sure. He won an election, yeah. and everything from there has been pretty much downhill, so I'm not he's, sure. He's not winning the uh, popularity race if you look at the current polls. But yeah, 36%. That's fake news, right? So the last thing I really want to bring up here is the this GOP memo that everybody's talking about. Uh, over the past 
week or so. There's been talk about a memo out there. It's been put together by our old friend Devin Nunes, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, as I mentioned in recent uh, episodes. Uh, Nunes was the first office I ever applied for a job in. Thank God I didn't get that job. It would have been a bad career move on my part. Uh, but anyways, this memo supposedly details allegations of FBI misconduct and missteps during the 2016 election and that senior FBI officials abused surveillance program to target the Trump campaign. And you know, it just adds fuel to the fire that there's some kind of secret society in the FBI out to get Trump. Uh, but as I've said before to you, Kevin, it's much like Fight Club. Uh, the first rule of secret societies is don't talk about secret societies. Yeah, you'd think. But, you know, what do they think this is? The Kennedy assassination? I mean, somebody get Ted Cruz's father. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ted Cruz, who, yeah, Trump said those things about his father, yet is the first person to pucker up if if need be to the president. <sighs> so House conservatives are saying the American public need to need to hear about this. They're going to be shocked to learn about what the widespread abuses in the FBI. Uh, they want to be released, but it may not happen. Uh, Representative Adam Schiff, who is a ranking member on the House Intelligence Committee, has said the memo is just profoundly misleading. Uh, it's a set of talking points that are just you – know, they're, they're not truthful. They're wrong, and uh, that it will just be hard. I mean, the FBI and the DOJ itself are saying – don't release this stuff. Uh, it, it's not true or it's out of context, and it just is bad for the American people and bad for our country. But you know, no one seems to care. Well, according to Shepard Smith uh, of the Fox News show Shepard Smith Reporting, this memo is being used as a weapon of mass distraction. Shep is one of my favorite people uh, I, I, in news, and I love that he's on Fox News because he's the, pretty much the lone dissenting voice. There are a couple other people on there, but he's pretty much the voice. And by the way, look up some of his YouTube uh, flubs. They're absolutely fantastic, but I can't say them here. It's a, This is a family-friendly show. Thank you very much. So the FBI and the DJ all want to see this, but Nunes won't give it to them. Uh, Trump and Trump Jr. are like tweeting, you know, why won't someone release this? Well, you're the president. Your dad's the president. Uh, if you want to release this, you can do it. Uh, but again, if they actually release the stuff, then there's no talking point. I mean, I get the sense this is basically, I don't mean to quote the president, fake news. Uh, but when this stuff goes out there, it'll distract from things like Stormy. I mean, the president, going back to Stormy Daniels, uh, the president is being accused of sleeping with while married a, uh, a stripper and then paying her hush money not to talk about it. Uh, but in this political climate, oh, you know, it's n no big deal. It's just another thing. I mean, if, look what happened with Clinton. Uh, this should be blowing up. Uh, they're using this as an excuse that no matter what comes out of Mueller, whatever comes out of anywhere, they can just start talking about this fake GOP memo and, you know, and who cares about anything else? Regardless. You know, whatever they believe is of this conspiracy theory, what it gets down to are the tweets that went back and forth, not tweets, excuse me, text messages that were exchanged between some people who worked within the FBI, who then had been part of Mueller's investigation, who, we should point out, were removed from that investigation when Mueller caught wind of any of this going on. So it's not like he kept them on board no. uh, to to take away from what was being done in the investigation. Uh, and it's important that we remember that these are just individuals, these are human beings that do have maybe their own political leanings, but it doesn't mean that they can't do their job. And, you know, they were having an affair together, and you, sometimes you have, like, little jokey things, back, not just affairs, but if you have a relationship with somebody, uh, you have a little, ha, 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 let's go see your little secret society. You know, I, I don't think it's, didn't, at least from what I read, didn't sound like it was, you know, get the secret society together, we, we'll meet at the stroke of midnight, meant, uh, you know, a joke. So, 
I don't know. I, I guess it's easy for me to say uh, when someone of the opposing viewpoint will point it out and say, no, 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 you're just you're a snowflake and you're you know looking at it uh, with blinders on. But but if you look at the people who are really jazzed about this memo, it's the ultra partisan Republicans. I mean, it's people like Devin Nunes, uh, Trey Gowdy. I mean, these guys are congressmen, but they're jokers. These are the people that go out there and and are still talking about Hillary Hillary Clinton over a year after the election is over. These are people who are obsessed uh, with things that don't matter to this country, but maybe play to the political base. And uh, until I see people who I really respect start talking about it, well, then it, it's just nothing. It's a nothing burger to me. All right. These folks are more concerned with keeping a Republican in the White House than doing what is actually right for their constituents and for the people of the United States of America. No, and Trump likes to say America first. Well, maybe these people should start putting America first and not putting their political party first. Absolutely. <laughs> so what do you got for Kevin's Corner this week? Well, Jesse, two very important events have transpired in the last week or so that require our attention. The major revelation by the New York Times that the president ordered the firing last June of special counsel Robert Mueller in the middle of his investigation into possible collusion with Russia in our election and the possible obstruction of justice by the president for his firing of FBI Director James Comey leaves us all in suspense. Potentially, could this signal the beginning of the end for President Trump? If the president fires the man responsible for investigating his actions, it would infer that he's got something to hide. Transparency, however, should be considered a requirement for anyone living at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Perhaps even more pressing is the issue of bipartisanship in Congress. Allowing for the government to shut down, even if only for three days, due to a lack of compromise is a disservice to the good people of America. Using government funding as a pawn in the very real game of life is irresponsible. We must accept nothing less than representation that will work together, be willing to cross the aisle as necessary to find compromise, and to do what is best for our country. Let this moment not slip away from our collective memory before we arrive at our polling places this November. Well said, Kevin. And I have to add, I saw the post today, and the post deals with uh, a lot of things coming out of the White House through several administrations. And uh, specifically Nixon trying to silence things like the New York Times, the Washington Post, because uh, these revelations would not be bad for the country, but bad for the political office. And as I watched, I go, man, there could not be a movie that's more relevant to our times as we currently have a president who tries to discredit the the institutions that we all so dear uh, and and just try to say things are fake news. I recommend people go watch it and, and just realize that he may walk out, you know, it, it's an inspirational at the end, but he may walk out a little sad going, man, we just, we just don't learn. We're seeing the same thing again now, 40 years later. As a teacher of history, those types of messages uh, stick out with me. And I, I agree with you. I haven't seen it yet, but from what I've heard and what I've seen in previews, you know, I believe it should be required viewing for those of us reliving these experiences. Uh, once again, history repeats itself and we want to try to eliminate those mistakes. So get out there, see that movie, be inspired and do something to help make change. And come on, Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep, how can you go wrong? Steven Spielberg, come on. All right, so make sure to go to our website at grabbingbythepod.com. You can find all of the links to our to our podcasts, to our social media, anything you want to find there, even a couple of handsome pictures of Kevin and, and myself. Uh, and then after you do that, you know, just come back here next time. We want to, you want you to listen to all our shows and be part of the Grabbing by the Pod family. So, Kevin, until next episode, have a good day. Later. <laughs> <laughs>